What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Brianne, coming back to you live. Thank you so much for joining my channel. Um, here we talk about all things girl, all things Jesus, and everything in between. If you haven't already, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Go ahead and turn those notifications on. Follow me on all of my social media. Um, girl Stop, follow us, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Trust me, we're doing some amazing, big, awesome things, and I'm so excited, and I don't want you to miss out. I want you to be a part. So as we transition, uh, join us. If you're already on the bandwagon, we'll buckle in tighter because we are journeying, and I'm so happy about it. Um, every week, we focus on a particular topic, and this week, um, we're going to tackle this subscriber request. Um, I want to give this uh, disclaimer, if you will, um, about subscriber request. I do not talk about things that I haven't first prayed on. Sometimes we can get so caught up in being the first to quickly address something or be the first to, you know, um, want to comment or have our opinion validated by the masses. But I'm not that person. You know, I Take my time. I believe that this platform and all of Girl Stop actually is to encourage, to motivate, to enhance and enrich people's lives, to ask thought provoking questions. And so I am not looking to be the first, the latest, always. Sometimes I am. But again, I'm not just going to blast out thoughts just so that people like, share, or repost and that my name is made great. God said He would make my name great in the earth. He promised that in His Word. He promised that to all of us. So that's not something that I'm in a rat race, in a rat race to be relevant. With that disclaimer, um, uh, many of you know that, or you may not know, so let me put you on. Um, R. Kelly was interviewed for his first time since his accusations. Um, R. Kelly, he has been accused of, or he's only being charged with 10 counts of um, sexual inappropriateness and abuse, mass manipulation of women. He currently has two living girlfriends that are super young. Um, he has a bunch of children and there are countless um accusations against his uh manipulative and sexual behaviors um his ex-wife former girlfriends video vixens women that work with him all of the women that have encountered him and some men and as you know there was an uproar about the documentary that was released concerning him this also claiming um, the what am I trying to say? This also is where all of these accounts of sexual abuse and um, immorality have come from. So you say, well, OK, we, we know about the R. Kelly situation and we've heard all these different thoughts about it. What are your thoughts and what do you uh, take from this? OK, well, there are a couple of different things. First of all. Let's not get so heavy at pointing the finger at R. Kelly. Do I think he's guilty? Absolutely. Do I think that he is a mass manipulator? Absolutely. Do I think that um, this documentary or this should have been brought to light long ago? Absolutely. Speaking from a victim perspective, like you cannot rush people in their healing. You cannot tell people when they should tell, especially when there are systems set up around victims to make them um, the guilty before they even open their mouth. And, you know, our judicial system here in America is, you know, that you are innocent before 
guilty. Well, victimology is, I believe, so chauvinistically set up that (laughs) you aren't innocent before guilty. You have to prove your innocence. And when you're talking about sexuality in the, the vast circumstances that rape, sodomization, molestation, and all of these things can be set up, there are a whole lot of details that even if you give your account verbatim, start to finish, every detail included, no thought left out, no measure left out, people are still left in a position to quote unquote judge what you consider your truth. So that is what we're fighting in the Me Too movement right now. That is what we're fighting um, globally as sexual harassment charges have skyrocketed in the last year and a half to two years. Um, not only charges, allegations, court cases, um, but also uh, just the knowledge and awareness of victimology. Um, there's not a lot of language. And so some people have begun to re or had to rather like rewire their minds concerning the situation. I really believe that, um, and that's my speaker y'all may hear if y'all can hear it, I'm not sure, but just ignore it. It does funny things sometimes when I'm not using it. Um, there are a lot of different angles that this specifically this R Kelly situation and the issue at large can be approached. What I want to focus on today is who are you helping? There were countless women that came forward in that uh, documentary. There were countless women that have continued to come forward as he has come forward. There are still women in his life, even though all of these things have been, um, pinned against him. Um, there are still women that he has daily interactions with that could, or are potentially being manipulated or, um, touched inappropriately or sexually victimized. So you may not know any of those women. You may not know any of those women in his life or, um, but I'm sure you know a woman. And not just a woman, you also may know a man. You may know a little boy. You may know somebody in your neighborhood. You may know somebody in your classroom. You may, you may know somebody on your team that's come forward in some way, um, that's been victimized in some way. So I want to know who are you helping? It's really cool and all, you know what I'm saying, to jump on the bandwagon, to bash R. Kelly, to bash all of these other men in Hollywood in high places of power and political prowess to just come down their throat and to just call them the scum of the earth. Okay, that's fine. But what about the victim? Can we really shift our focus to thinking about the people who have had the courage and the gall to bring all of their vile experience forward? And can we help them? So you may say, well, like, well, you know, I've never been through anything like that. And I don't know, you know, how to help them. Like, I don't know what they need other than me, other than talking about it. And I don't really feel comfortable with them talking about it. Okay, fine. Well, you know, sometimes you don't have to be the therapist. Everybody thinks they have to be the counselor. Like you don't have to be the therapist. You don't have to be the counselor. You don't have to have all of the answers. Sometimes just listening is enough. And sometimes just praying for them is enough and not, um, Not necessarily being like, oh, girl, I'm going to pray for you and then walking away like, no, grabbing their hand or hugging them in an embrace and taking them to the Heavenly Father, taking that burden and that weight, though, all of that to the throne room for them. Sometimes that intercession is exactly what they need. You don't know what God may want to spiritually download, deliver, set free, break off of them in that moment of you joining them in prayer. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst. So it's really hard to 
it's really hard to focus so much on the problem and not think about probable solutions. There was somebody who was negatively impacted by that situation, by those actions, and you may not have the answers. In fact, I would encourage them to go get counseling, speak to somebody who is licensed, who is a therapist and who can help them beyond, you know, your um, your expertise in the area. Not saying that you aren't worthy because they may not feel comfortable talking to a therapist. Okay, you guys know that I wrote a book called Letters to My Molester. In that book, I talk about how I did have to get comfortable talking to a therapist. It took me um, over a year and a half before I wanted to go sit with a therapist. When you call and make your appointment for a therapist at the campus that I was on at that time, they ask you, they say, do you have a preference like male or female? Well, (laughs) duh, I wanted to talk to a female. Like if you are sexually touched by a man, no, you don't want to see and talk with and confer with and be vulnerable with the man you don't even want to be in a room alone with the man so I asked for a female and I get there I'm really just telling y'all my book so y'all should definitely go by but this is not the whole book this is just a part but anyway I get there and they were like we're sorry uh Miss Town we were not able to get you a female therapist and in fact we have reason to believe why you should be with a male therapist like how are you going to completely ask me then disregard my request and not only disregard my request, then tell me you got some scientific theoretical reason why. Oh my gosh, y'all, I was livid. I had walked all the way across campus up this long hill on this hot Alabama day just to get to this waiting room for them to tell me this. So I'm sitting there in the corner of the waiting room like a wounded puppy because that's what I was on the inside. And there's this man that comes from the back out of nowhere. And he was like, hi, Jennifer. It was so soft and I looked up and I was like, okay, so I've come all this way just to hear this information and I don't want to hear it. So then I decided, you know what? I've come this far. I'm not turning back now. I'm not letting fear win. I'm not going to recluse. I am going to be healed. Let me get my butt up out this chair and let me go and get right, you know, and, um, For me, it was a struggle. I'm not saying that that's something that you should do if you are, if I'm speaking to someone who has been victimized. If you are somebody that's been victimized and you don't buy a man and you don't want to seek counseling with a man, fine. But for me, um, it was not what I wanted, but it was what I needed. And um, I listened to what they had to say. And because I was open and more vulnerable and we worked through that thing, that was one of the most impactful most healing dynamic places of my life um if you're not if you've not been victimized and you're kind of just a bystander with your popcorn looking as all this goes down i would admonish you to get your hands connected um so you may say well like other than prayer what can i do okay great check on your people late at night um check on your people early in the day check on your people um hugs affirmation building them up check on your people there are moments and there are triggers that sometimes they know they have sometimes they're not even aware that they have as a matter of fact i had a conversation um with a friend just talking you know normal me asking questions And they unveiled to me some information and I didn't recognize it had nothing to do with what I personally went through. But because of the context of the information, it hit a trigger for me. And it was a trigger I didn't even know I had 
until we had that conversation. Some things victims won't find out are triggers until they go. You know what I'm saying? Until they go and saying until they go throughout life, until they just live and those triggers are hit. Because the thing about a trigger is it has to be hit. You may say, well, what's a trigger? Okay, let me make it very plain for you. Emotionally, there are things, there are sensitive places that can be touched in conversation, in physical touch, in affirmation, in the workplace, in any type of context or way, and you not know it's there until it's hit. Let me make it plain for you. If there's a gun sitting on a table, a little baby won't know that the trigger is um, below the barrel until they pull the trigger and boom, a, a bullet fires off or prayerfully there's no bullet you know, in the gun if a baby's touching it. But if that baby pulls the trigger, they get the fire and the ignition that comes behind what's in that trigger. So if you emotionally hit somebody in a place that they are wounded, they are broken, that's sensitive, and that's not trained to um, control that or harness that, um, you're going to get what comes behind that trigger, which then means, you know, just like on a gun, there's a safety point. You can put a gun on safety that even if you touch that trigger, even if you pull that trigger, it will not allow the fire and combustion behind what's placed there to emit. Well, sometimes you don't know that you have a trigger in that area until, um, <laughs> until it's hit. And that's just the sad, the sad place. And then once you recognize that you have that trigger, you can then put the safety in that place. Like, okay, I recognize that this is a vulnerable place. I recognize that this is a place or an environment that I'm not comfortable in. For me, I couldn't be alone. I couldn't be alone in rooms with me and for a long time. That was a trigger for me. I was afraid I would get apprehensive. I would lose my breath. I would stand at the door. You know, we would have to have somebody else in the room or we'd have to have the door open. Like it couldn't be dark. Like there were all these different triggers that set up in me because of what I went through. So if you're a victim, let me speak to you first. It would be best for you to identify your triggers. I'm not saying you got to go put yourself in harmful, danger, dangerous context to understand yourself. No, but what you should do is self monitor yourself. You got to say, okay, look, I just recognize that this smell does not sit right with me. I recognize that this environment does not sit right with me. I recognize that these type of people for me, I couldn't be around light skinned men for a while. I could not like I, oh my gosh, like it was a struggle for me in college because my head coach, he was a light skinned man. Now my head coach is an awesome man. He did not um, abuse me in any way. In fact, he was very integral in my healing. He also so um, is one of the people that I had to thank in my book. However, <laughs> hashtag understand. You got to understand what your triggers are. You got to understand you better than anybody understands you in this area. Now, not speaking to my victims, speaking to my bystanders and the spectators. If somebody's trigger goes off, the worst thing you can do is like overreact. The worst thing you can do is is escalate the situation. Your job would to be to de-escalate the situation. If they if they spaz out, if they wig out, if they go off, if they recluse. I was very reclusive. If I if you run, if you are fit, like you need to help de-escalate the situation. You need to ask them 
Are they okay? What are they going through? What can I do to help you in the situation? What do you need from me in this moment? What do you need in this moment? How can we help you uh, return to this place of centeredness, of balance, of wholeness, of mindful awareness of where you are? Sometimes those triggers can get so strong that they take you to this mental place of like a flashback of a place where you were in and not where a place you're currently in. So your mind, you can be like physically in a moment or in an atmosphere in a group of people but your mind has completely checked out and went back to years ago when you were placed in this position so you have to make sure that you bring that person like mentally back to where they are presently in the moment there are so many ways I think that we could get involved in helping victims and I dare not have a platform so it's women um encouraging women enhancing women if I gave a disclaimer in the beginning and we not talk about talk about victims. Now, I understand that there are some men that tune in to uh, drug talk content. And for you guys who may have been victimized, it's even harder for you it, it, to come forward to say that, you know, whether it was as a little boy or as an adult male, that you have been touched inappropriately, you have been uh, raped, molested, sodomized, any of those things, because it's almost as if this culture we have it's like your masculinity is checked because it's like, why didn't you like it? Well, as a nine-year-old, you shouldn't be engaging in sexual activities with adult women. You shouldn't like it. It should be uncomfortable for you. You should want to play video games or go outside and play basketball or be a child. That's something you should want to do. So you should not feel guilty about wanting to talk to, talk about, or get healing in this area because it will affect and impact the way you see women, the way you sexually and intimately interact with women, what you need from women, and how you view women um, that you haven't been intimate with. Um, we have to get right in our minds, America. Like, we have to get right in our hearts and in our soul interests. We do a lot of time of talking about, like, taboo news and hot topics and talking about the issues or about the problems relating to issues. But we don't talk about the people who have been impacted by the issue. We don't get to the heart where we don't get proximate one-to-one -one with someone in the issue. I'm not saying that one single person has to go out and resolve the whole issue. No, it's too large for that. But what one person can do who is still happy home, who hasn't been impacted by the situation, or who has been, and they are still happy home, they can then find them one person. And if each one wins one, that we are eliminating the issue one person at a time, one connection at a time. And you don't have to be responsible for the overarching um, weight of the issue. So again, um, I don't even want to focus this conversation on R. Kelly. Like, I believe, I was not there. I am not one of R. Kelly's uh, victims. I have never worked for R. Kelly. I've never seen I've seen R. Kelly clearly, but I've never, like, been in his physical presence. I've never met him personally. Um, as a matter of fact, it really breaks my heart that one of my favorite songs, he did not write. He wasn't the originator of, but he's the one that made it famous, um, is I Believe I Can Fly. And so for me to have to divorce this song, and it means so much to the childhood development of me as a basketball player, watching Space Jam growing up, you know, and, and wanting to score, that really hurts my heart. Um, but that is a very small and minute thing compared to what some of these women who've been impacted by his actions are going through. 
in, you know, his musical career, and he does not deserve glory in this situation. So that's why, even in the context of this podcast, I really didn't want to focus on that. I really wanted to tear them out, like, ooh, I just need to over that word. I really wanted to... <laughs>
I so desperately want that for you. Uh, so, again, let's get connected, guys, or connect with someone. Make the bold move. I had to make the bold move, and maybe you have to make the bold move in moving out um, and connecting, hopefully with someone that's professional because it will be consistent, and you can, leave that, you can leave that there and not have to worry about it going, you know, social circles or to uh, uh, indirectly to social media or any other place. So, again, guys, I love you. I love you. I love you. I will hear from you. I pray I hear from you if I need to, but you will hear from me 